Hey, welcome to the Lyric House Church podcast. Our mission is to host a house for him. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our live service. Make sure to check out our Facebook page for details about upcoming events and information on our small groups that meet throughout the week. Thank you for being part of our broader community, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. <laughs> Say hi, Jacinda. Hi, <laughs> Nothing like calling you out, huh? We're good about that. Got it? No? She, she actually told me not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right? Yeah. She's used to you. This Bible. It's pretty. Yeah. Doesn't look very marked up, but it's fine. We have time. He's my son-in-law. I can judge him all the I can judge him. <laughs> right, Jacinda? She judges him too. Okay. All right. Morning, guys. We had so much fun with the Mother's Day panel that Jason decided that they would do it as well. Yep. You guys good? I guess all the dads decided to sleep in. Well, a lot of dads. Not all the dads. I just wanted to say, JD's not here, but thank you to JD, JD for um, preaching to the kids today for Father's Day. Um, and Amanda's in there. So, all right. Uh, so, Jason and I were praying about what the panel would look like. And we came up with um, some different questions. And you want to just kind of share your heart behind it, babe? Yeah, Craig's going to start us off. Go ahead. All right. I'd like to kind of expound a little bit on Hayden's scripture reading earlier. You know, you know what? Let's, I know that everybody knows, like, everybody knows each other. But let's, first of all, before we do that, let's just kind of explain, like, who everybody is. And, um, like, not, maybe not everybody knows, like, that. The, how many kids you have, Craig? So let's just kind of talk about that. All right. All right. My name's Craig Dore. I was raised in Chilhowee up to age 18. I left, went to Texas. Lived in Texas about 40 years. Dad's 89, so I'd, it's time to come home and be with him before he passes. Uh, he's a strong old man. He'll probably be here another 10 years. Uh, and he is. He's, he's a work man. He works. Anyway, I've got uh, five kids. We're a blended family. I've got three girls and... My wife is a daughter and a son. So there's five kids all together. So um, they're all, how old is, the youngest is 20, 25 is the youngest. And our oldest is 40. So uh, we have a pretty good spread there and, and some, some wins, some loses in those things that we did when raising kids. As you all will experience and have experienced that you're not perfect. 
So uh, that's basically my background and what's going on, who I am. I'm Jason. I have six kids. <laughs> uh, all the way from 22 to the age of eight. Do you want to correct him? <laughs> oh, sorry. Hey, I, hey I'm getting old. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jade. <laughs> she is about to have a birthday. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to remember I, it yeah. anymore, though. This guy does. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he forgot the most important part. We're having a grandbaby. Everybody knows, but like... I, I was just, about to say right. that! <laughs> That's the reason I'm up here! Oh, yeah, okay. Well, Anyways, I'll let you. my name's Hayden. I have a baby on the way. Baby River's on the way. Coming September. And, yeah. He's gonna let him talk about something. <laughs> Okay, okay. Okay. All right. Now let's go back to where we were going to start. All right. So I want to expound a little bit on the, the verse that was recited earlier about the serpent and the snake, or the scorpion and the snake, and what the father would give your child something that evil. Uh, I think the, the, one of the important things we need to understand is that we also have to recognize what's a scorpion and what's a snake. And if you can't recognize it then you're thinking you're doing good for your child and you're really not now the word of god will give you that picture of what is a scorpion what's a snake and what's bad for your child so as we were in here praising worship and 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 god kind of has talked to me and he says you know what 13 year old child will tell you at 13 i wanted to be an alcoholic right you will not find one of them, even when they're being raised by alcoholics, when they're being raised by a mom and dad who are heavy drinkers and doing the things they do. When you ask them at 13, they'll tell you, I don't want to be anything like my parents, anything like my parents. But when it, what ends up happening is unless God touches their life at an early age, they become their parents. And part of that is they are being taught what's normal. They're being taught the alcohol, drinking, having a drink when you're depressed, having a drink when you want to celebrate. A drink is always there. They see that as normal. So they're given the snake. They're given the scorpion. Now, I'm comparing a righteous man and unrighteous man in a sense because an unrighteous man will not, will recognize it. But as parents, unless you're in the word of God and truly understand the, the, the depth of everything God is trying to teach you, 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 you'll fall into things that will be teaching the child the wrong thing. Um, men, I will say the, to me, my favorite verse, and they're my verse, but book in the Bible is uh, Proverbs because I'm a logical, I'm a man, I think with logic, right? Um, and so it has a whole lot of logic and some of it is like wow i never really thought about that right run from a fool don't hang with a fool right don't hang with thieves don't run with drunkards some of this you kind of already know but some of it when you're reading it it, it takes me a long time to read through proverbs because it, i'll get a couple verses in and then all of a sudden i'm stuck trying to 
decipher all the different angles mm -hmm. that, that it's coming at, and it comes at some really, really odd angles. So um, that's basically, I wanted to, I liked the scripture, and I actually had a scripture written down from last night, you know, that this is one of the things that a good father is, but a good father needs to teach their children and others, maybe the fatherless, they need to, you know, be, be an example of what it is to be righteous. And I'm not talking religious righteous. I'm right. talking about being a righteous man, a God who chases a man who chases after God with all his heart, and and you're being an example. Yeah, it's good. And what, so what we're talking about is we're we're speaking to what is a good father. And so we hear that all all the time. We hear we sing the song "Good Good Father," and we, um, every like Craig said, everybody that wants to be a father, they plan to be a good father. You know, they don't set out with having children and thinking, I'm going to be an awful dad and I'm going to not care about my kids. But, but what does a good father look like? What do you think, Kay? Um, it's pretty easy for me. looks like God. <laughs> uh, if you don't know me, uh, I never had a father. I was raised by two, mo two awesome moms. And so uh, there was a, a few years in my teenage years where, where I was missing that aspect in life until I finally gave my life to Christ. And then I started to understand who God the Father is and getting the revelation that I'm not fatherless anymore. I was never fatherless. The point, not the point, sorry. It was that I wasn't seeking the Father. So then I was in the mindset of being fatherless. But the true the truth is you're not fatherless. You're just not seeking after him. And so it's good to have those uh, father figures in your life. I had a few different father figures and ones that really led me to the Lord and they were there to help me. And so um, to me, there's no, there's no other perfect father than the father. And so, yeah. Want me to answer the same question? There's so many different aspects of a father. We all grow up with different fathers, different figures of a father. And some of us have come away with the mindset of things that we don't want to be the Lord. <laughs> as the, the father that we've seen and that raised us. And some of us even have stepfathers, which that was me. And my stepfather wasn't very nice. He was uh, abusive verbally and physically and an alcoholic. And there were occasions where he would be good. But through those negative occasions, it made me not like him, you know. And I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that. But then my real father, he was a good father. He taught me about faith, taught me about the Lord. And we always, I mean, we had our disputes, but he had good attributes because he was in the Word. And he's seen God 
as a good father. But when I really found out how good God really is, it changed everything for me. Because for a long time I felt like he was wrathful and vengeful towards the sin in my life and the things that I was doing. And so I would hide from God. And I would run from him. But the grace and mercy that I've learned that he has for each and every one of us has radically changed my perspective on who he is. And now I know that I know that I know that he's a great father. And that he chooses to give us good gifts even when we don't deserve them. From a worldly perspective, we do not deserve them. But from his perspective, we deserve all that he has. And he's waiting for us to turn towards him and to receive it because he's that good no matter what it is you've done. He's, in fact, he's created a whole kingdom for, for you to live from. And he's not holding anything negative against you. I'll stop. Um, I think a good father does have the characteristics of God in his life. Forgiveness. Forgiveness when you have to forgive, even though the other end doesn't want to, to accept your forgiveness, you still do the, yeah. the godly thing and you forgive. Yep. That note is no longer on you anymore when you, when you submit that and you forgive. It's on them to either accept it or deny it. But you're released from that bondage by forgiving. You have to be patient. Fathers, you know that's a strong one. Patience is something that has to be worked up and has to be, you have to intentionally subdue emotions sometimes that come up. It's a tough one. But once you, I think once you gather, like, uh, you gather the things in the Bible where it talks about what's really important, and there's really not a whole lot that we, we think is valuable that really is. In fact, most of it, all of it isn't. Uh, your world possessions mean nothing because you're going to die and then somebody else is going to get it. So um, the forgiveness, the respect. The respect is something that is a characteristic of a man that if all women could grasp that aspect and hold on to it, it's hard to hold on to it, that a man desires respect. That's his makeup. If he doesn't get respect, he will go somewhere else to get it. And or he will lash out. Um, but as a godly man, you realize that God loves you beyond what any other person does. And then you read the word where he says, if they'll just turn their back and they'll come back to me, I will forgive them. <sighs> to have a father who will go out of his way to forgive you when you don't deserve it in any way is awesome. Is awesome. And if you can stand on that, nothing else really matters. 
um, when it comes to your kids, you got to be slow to anger and, you know, you got to be slow to anger and quick to patience. Yeah. And, and that's really, really important because they will, they will flip that trigger. And uh, so I think just the, understanding the character of God and who he is truly understanding of course you got to get in the word of God to know this you can't go into church and hearing hearing sermons it's good it's a good start for your week but when you get into the word and you start reading some of the things that are really complicated in a sense now salvation is not complicated it's extremely easy and simple it's the simplest thing in the world but all those aspects of being a part of the family the kingdom of God and the characteristics of God can be complicated. And it, and it sometimes is going to go against your, who you think you are. You got to change who you are. You have to read the word and change who you are. Yeah. And uh, you can't just keep living the life when it's, when it's off. Um, I've been reading Ecclesiastes lately. Talk about a depressing book. <laughs> It's, it's a book that talks, it basically says, it's all worthless. It's all worthless. Everything you think you want and you gain and you're going to get is worthless. There's only one thing that's important, and that's God and the love of God and love. So, uh, oh, here comes Don. Don, here we go. <laughs> Don can tell some stories. That's all I've got to say. Don, you want to? You're doing good. Great. Well, go ahead, sit down. You can tell us. What do you got? Oh, okay. You're just using me as a as your crutch. Hey, Roberta, can you <laughs> grab a towel? Um, as Don's getting settled up here, um, right before Craig started talking, I just felt this shift in the room, and um, it was. I felt like everybody was excited, and then there was just kind of a shift of. Um, of those that have been hurt and so I by their earthly fathers and I think that we can walk through this and I think as most Christians would probably say they've forgiven their earthly fathers but then when days like this happen it starts to kind of become really real and and I just want to speak to that um and I and I I know that you can get into a place of of forgiveness that looks like um it doesn't look like hurt when you think about your earthly fathers anymore um, everybody knows that we do inner healing, we do sozo, and uh, one of the biggest keys to sozo is that um, in, our, in, our, in our psyche, just as a person, whether you're a believer or not, we will relate Father God to our earthly dads. It's just a natural occurrence that we do. We don't even know that we're doing it, which is why... Um, most of um, the the atheists in the world, I, I mean, I'm not going to say all of them because obviously I don't know that, but even the greatest atheist that we all know, Stephen Hawking, who's now passed away, he um, admitted that he was had an abusive dad and he had a terrible relationship with this earthly father. So it puts the, the puzzle pieces, they, they go together. We understand that as a person, if we're hurt by our earthly fathers, if we don't have an, a good relationship with them, then we can compare God the Father to our earthly fathers. It's all we know. We don't understand. If we, if we call our earthly dad father and our father God father, then we tend to say, think that they're the same person. 
And so we put this label on Father God that he must look like our, our, our father. And then we sing worship songs and, we, and people get all teary-eyed when they think about God. And, and, and there's people there that, that don't get it, that we don't understand because our earthly dads were crap and it doesn't make any sense to worship a God. Now, even if, like, and there's people in the room too, they're like, I had a, I had a great dad, I don't have any issues. But yet there was, there's, and I'm not trying to say, yes, you do secretly have issues. Um, Everybody is a human though, right? Like Jason's an amazing father, but he is definitely messed up in the past. And he's not done everything perfectly. Yeah. Same way for me as a mom, right? And so um, it doesn't mean that our kids have like secret underlining uh, problems, but we're molded. And the people that we are, the adults that we become is based on a lot like our choices, but also how we were raised by our parents. And so if we had a dad that was constantly critical, then he maybe he didn't even mean to be, but we grow up and we're critical ourselves. Um, there's, there's things like that, that it didn't, necess- it didn't have to be bad. Like the Lord can, can get that out and the Lord can and work with that. It doesn't mean that our dad was bad um, or that we have major trauma that needs to be worked out. But I, what I, I think what I'm getting at is like we, we tend to want to, to compare the two, and there's no comparison to God the Father. He's above and he's beyond anything that we've ever known. Like, it's, it's a supernatural kind of relationship that, that we have. He, he, he's nothing like what we know or what we've walked through. And so to try to, like, I love this question. It's funny to me, because how do you say how good God is? You can't. There's not a word for how good. Have you guys ever thought that, like, God, you're so good. You're, you're better than good. You're the, the, the best. No, you, you're the, the most amazing. And like, there's not a word to it. You, get, you know what I'm saying? Like, you ever been in worship and you're just like, there's a, there has to be a word. And, and, and there's not a word to who God is. Um, all I know, he's, he's better than I know. Um, so Matthew 23, 9 says, do not call anyone on earth your father. For one, your fa- for the one, your father, he who is in heaven. So, so he's trying to get you to get the focus off of the earthly father and get you focus on the godly father. And quit calling your earthly father father. If you put your focus on your godly father, then you're going to realize who everybody else is and how important it really is. So. How about this? I'm going to ask you a question, okay? How do you hear the Father's voice? <laughs> he didn't have time to prepare. That's all right. I can figure it out. I play it all by ear. I was raised in Oklahoma. and uh, My father was an, what they call an ag teacher. There was no veterinarian, so... He wound up being a veterinarian in this whole area for all of his students. So after school, we'd go out on calls and call on uh, his students. Uh, what they call them? I forgot what they call them back in those days. The students had livestock: sheep, pigs, cattle. And I just a little dinky boy, first grade, you know. But I guess uh, anyhow, we went to this one place, and it was a watering hole for all the sheep. I'm not going to say thousands of sheep. Those are garbage sheep. And the owners of the students, of course, were there. The sheep were drinking. And it looked like a confused mess. But I didn't know how in the world 
is going to separate these sheep and take them home to the students that owned them or belonged to them. But pretty soon, this one student took off this way from the lake, and he started calling his sheep, and they started following him. Another student took off that way, and he's calling his sheep. They start following him. So it makes the scripture real. My sheep know my voice, and they what? Follow one another. So that was the first time I saw that. So it made an impression upon me. So when I stumbled across that scripture, my sheep know my voice. It's something that don't happen overnight, but you kind of do it gradual. But we need to be sensitive to what the voice of the Lord is trying to tell us and, and guard us and keep us and protect us and uh, all the great number of things that our Heavenly Father does for us. I don't want to answer your question or not uh, fully, but it helps to read the Word as our brother here was counseling on. But always be attentive, because I think the Father is always speaking to us. That don't mean we're always listening. But the Father, I think, is always speaking. He loves his kids. He's trying to impart in us many things. We get so busy. We miss a lot of what our Father says to us and does for us. So it's a good thing to stop and honor your parents and your father. Honor your father and your mother. And what's the promise? Does anybody know? Your days will be what? Long upon the earth. Recently, I see, I buried somebody. Oh, my wife. My father and my mother and my wife. But anyhow, my brother came down for the funeral. And I think to get some money, uh, that seems to be a common goal. Get the money, honey. He said, how come you kept uh, making the, the parent easy for them? Because I hired in home care. They want to stay in home as long as they can. They're both helpless. Mother had an oxygen line that went from here to the back of the room back here. My father was in a wheelchair. And, uh... we'll shut him up, won't we? <laughs> he says, how come you helped him with all these problems? Why don't you stick him in the nursing home? So I remind him of that scripture. Honor your father and mother, your days be long upon the earth. I'll probably outlive you, either you're younger than me. Uh, kind of find out he's had three bypasses and four wives, and he's had a hard life, but he's still going. But anyhow, I don't want to answer your question, not Tiffany. I said I was going to play it by ear, but it's so valuable and so important. You almost got to practice it. You almost got to make it a focus. Lord, what do you have for me today? Uh, how can you direct me today? How can I help these people? How can I help anybody? How can I help myself? So it's a constant, I don't say a battle, but it's a constant focus I'm trying to answer your question because I get on rabbit trails. Surely not. Um, I think one thing I've learned is I do not, I do not have a subconscious. I got the Holy Spirit. The world will teach you you got a subconscious. That's why you do not do that. And you do not, no, that's the Holy Spirit telling you not to do that. So you got to recognize you do not have a subconscious. You have the Holy Spirit talking to you. 
and he talks to you in a lot of different ways. His word talks to you. His word. I have to agree with Craig on that 100%. He speaks to, he speaks to you in, through your consciousness like that, but then also he'll speak to you through other people. Other people will come up to you with words or he'll speak to you through signs, dreams, visions. Man, I just, I think he's just constantly speaking in all kinds of ways, you know, and it's, it's so, so in front of us all the time, but we just, we don't realize it. So we're so caught up in ourselves and what we have going on until we actually stop and say, Lord, what is it you, you have for me? What is it? And just begin to build that relationship and speak to him like he's right here because he is. He's living in you and all around you. He's more real than any of this. He's the one that created it all. So he is the real of the real. I mean, he is the goodness of the good of the good, like Tiffany was saying. There is no greater real or more, you can't get any gooder, you know. It's the truth. But there comes a point to where he can be manifested in your life to where he is more real than anything else. And you just solely rely on him and listen to him and let him guide your steps. But in order to do that, you have to lay yourself down and all your stuff down and let him do it. And then at times you're going to pick your stuff back up and then you'll realize in a moment, why did I pick that back up? I got to lay it back down. God, you got this. Keep carrying me through. Keep guiding me through because he is it's just we take our knowledge our our eyes off of him off of what he's saying and off of what he's doing amen (laughs) that's all i gotta say is basically everything else i know that when i first fell in love with the lord and um, you hear people say these super Christian-y things like, oh, I felt like, you know, like I heard the Lord say, or the Lord told me this, or God said this. And I was so frustrated because I didn't understand it. Like, I, how do you hear the voice of God? What do you mean you heard him? You, and like you, there was an audible voice that came in your room and said it. And although that's really cool, um, I think as you become more mature and and learning the Lord's voice, you understand that it's a, it's a, it's a small whisper and you have to be quiet first. You have to stop talking first. And one of the things that I remember so clearly is that I was like begging God for, to hear him in something. And I was like, I know people say that you speak and that you answer God. And I need an answer from this very specific thing. God, I need I need you to answer me so I can decide what to do. And I was just sitting there and I heard him. I heard him just say, I love you, Tiff. And it wasn't, it wasn't an answer to anything I had been asking, but I realized that the voice of God came. He wanted to speak to me to, to have relationship with me, not for me to get something out of him. And so it turned my perspective of hearing God's voice isn't just a, a time where we need an answer to something. And one time he woke me up in the middle of the night and all I heard again was, I love you, Tiff. And there was nothing else. 
He didn't need anything else from me. He didn't ask anything of me. He, I, he wasn't answering anything from me. He was showing me this connection of being in relationship with him was listening and hearing his voice. And it's changed, it's changed the way that I perceive his voice. It's changed the way that I ask him things. Um, just knowing that he is a person. If I'm constantly going to him and asking him for things and about things, um, then I'm, it's going to be very clouded what his voice sounds like. But when I just come into relationship with him and say, I love you, Father. Because those questions are it. about you. Yeah. Our eyes are on ourselves in those moments. Okay. All right. You ready to move on yeah, to but the But ultimately, it comes back. It always comes down to he loves us. That's the, that's the root. That's the seed. Yeah. And Hosea 14.3, it says, For in you the fatherless find compassion. And, the, and being a father to the fatherless is what was really on Jason's heart for this panel. It's what he kept mentioning over and over and over again. So do you guys want to speak to what it means to be a father to the fatherless? And I think that um, you know, we have a... We have all different generations here. We have, you know, we have people in the church that aren't fathers. So I think that this can speak to everybody being a father to the fatherless. So I'm going to go on a limb and say that my generation is probably the one that is the most fatherless. Um, Just like in the natural? Yeah. Yeah. Natural and spiritually. I mean, there's so much that I used to be embarrassed. I'm like, ugh. I'm a Gen Zer. There's a stereotype here. Everyone's being weird, but <laughs> the truth of the fact is that he still loves them. And then he was really pushing me, like, "Hey, like, this is I put you in this, in this generation for a reason." And Gen Z will be mine. Yeah. And so, um, I don't really have a whole lot of being a father to the fatherless because I haven't really stepped into that yet. But um, from coming there, it's so helpful to be able to come this to come up to someone and for them to be that father figure. Um, my life was changed from that moment on when those figures started coming into my life and helped me be raised up and slowly craft the person who I am. And so, yeah. There's many fatherless fathers, fatherless fathers, fatherless people, no fathers. I'm gonna bring him here one day. A guy built a jail out here. I done jail work for a number of years outside of town here. And a guy built it was named Bill Corum. And he wrote several books, you may have heard of him. He'd been to a hundred jails himself. Uh, so he knew how to escape and all those things. But he still does jail work. Uh, him and another fellow, maybe you haven't met a guy who went to Africa with me, Rick Stangle. Him and Rick, they do jails together. And I, I went to jails with him, and the warden gives him keys big enough to choke a horse. And Rick's got a, a Harley Davidson with a Corvette V8 under it. Now, you got to straddle pretty good to get around that motor. But they dug it into, into the jail yards, big ones. And uh, 
they rev it up and all the inmates come out, noodle and gog it, you know, and then they both preach to them. <laughs> but the point is, Bill asked one time, he was doing jail work, how many here don't have a father? They don't know what it's like to have a father. And he'd say like 90% of the hands would go up. There's just a lot of people that don't have a father figure or didn't have a... I was doing a jail work out here, and a little girl come up. She said, well, I'm in here for stealing chainsaw from Walmart. I said, oh, how do you do that? <laughs> I can't get mine started, little you. I thought I was going to put it under a coat, under a dress. I didn't know where she put it. <laughs> I didn't ask her. I'll not go there. She says, I said, well, well you got to hide it or something. No, she says, you can't get out of the store with it. I said, what are you going to do? I was going to sell for drugs to my boyfriend. Where's he in jail? Where's your father? He's in jail. Where's your mother? She's in jail. Good grief. We have a lot of fatherless people. And so um, I want to encourage you. I was doing a gig last night down here at church. I'm going to say half the people didn't have a father. And just there's no direction. There's no correction. There's no examples. And uh, there's just a lot of disorder and out of order. So we need when, when you go down the streets a hole in the streets anywhere, you're gonna run into people that don't know what a father ought to be like, how they ought to act, maybe they didn't have one, maybe they were abused, a number, a number of different things. But uh, we need to be conscious of that. And uh, try it in some way, God, they don't have a father. How can I show them that you're a good father and you're interested in them, you love them? So we need to be conscious. We get so busy in our own work, in our own agendas, in our own ambitions, ambitions. And uh, we let so many things get by that we could be a part of establishing the kingdom of God upon earth. It's showing we got a good father. I'm going to shut up on one scripture, Tiff. And I've shared it before, and it impacted me. And so you, know, you share things that impact you. It kind of gives you an understanding. This is about our Father. Moses said in Exodus 33, show me your glory. And I want to say, well, Mo, what's the matter to you? He saw the Red Sea parted. He saw the whole Egyptian army, the biggest army on earth at the time, get drowned. He saw the ten plagues. You saw all this stuff, and here you're going to maybe offend God, but show me your glory. Oh, he saw the, saw the burning bush. I mean, there's like 25 things he saw that should have been enough answer that God was showing his glory. But as you all know, uh, I'm going to show him glory. God, I guess, uh, humored him. <laughs> he says, you go over here, and I'm going to hide him in this cluff of the rock in my hand, and when I walk by, I'm going to take my hand away, and you'll see my glory. So they did that. You know what God saw? I've asked people, what did, what did God show Moses his glory? Anybody remember? What did he see? Hinder parts. And there's nothing but the goodness of God. He equated his glory with his goodness. And uh, so that impressed me. We got a good God. And so much better than we think. And he would be willing to show Moses, a man that's seen about it. He'd seen it all. But uh, 
seen the goodness of God. He equates his glory with his goodness. So when you're in trouble, when you're hurting, when you're stuck in some foreign country and you ain't got your passport, when you're stuck in a cave and can't move, when you're stuck under a car that fell on you, when you get stuck in places, because life sometimes you get stuck. But uh, God's good. He rescues his people. He rescues those who call upon you. So I'm going to say prophetically today, somebody here is in some kind of a fix, and you don't know how to get out of that fix. Call upon God. He's good. He'll help you through it, whoever that is. I think I know two people I've just seen now uh, that's in a predicament. You're in a predicament. You, you probably didn't get yourself in it, although we get ourselves in a lot of predicaments. You didn't ever do that, did you, Greg? <laughs> Boy, if I knew I was going to sit by you, I'd put on socks and shine my boots. <laughs> no, I'm telling you. Give me that. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, my birthday. I got an excuse. Oh, is it? Happy birthday. I don't look eight. Don't look 90 to And you're not 90, 89. 79? 79. Oh, you're 79. Yeah, I'm yeah. here over a year, 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 uh, we quickly in this world judge. Everybody wants to be divided and judged uh, on this side, that side. And then once you get into that judgment, then you start getting into the, the emotional part of all that. You got to look at them with compassion and understanding as God would look at them. And as God looks at you and says, I know you've been through things and I will walk you through it. And if you can take a chance to walk people through uh, life please take the opportunity to do so. Um, it will be a joy. There'll be trying times, but it will be a joy. To, to help others is always a joy. Always. So in Psalm 68, 68.5, it says, A father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows is God in his holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. O oh God, when you went forth before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked. The heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself quaked at the presence of God and the God of Israel. You shed abroad a plentiful rain, O God. You confirmed your inheritance when it was parched. Your creatures settled in it. You provided in your goodness for the poor, O God. To me, that just really sums up 
what it looks like to be a father to the fatherless, the lonely, the widows, the brokenhearted. There's so many people out there. I was one of them for many years that didn't know the truth about our Father in heaven and what it means to have a good father. There's so many other people out there, and that's why he's equipping us to plant the seed into them that they might know who their father is and how good he truly is, that he is their provider, their comforter, their healer, their guide. Their He's their everything, our everything. Fortunately for us, we know this. We're growing to understand it. We are growing. He's nurturing our soil and watering us each and every day. But there's a, he has us in a place now to where we are able to go out and be a father to the fatherless, to share this truth with others. So they will come to know the good father that we serve and that we have to abide in. So I was looking at different fathers in scripture and um, if that's if I asked you guys to, to name five different fathers, I think everybody could probably quickly do that. And one of the stories, or one of the accounts, I don't like to call them story because they're real. Um, one of the accounts in scripture um, that I really felt like the Lord was pointing out was the prodigal son. And um, I know we, we all know the prodigal son. Everybody knows that, that account. Everybody could probably tell me it. Um, it's one of the accounts that everybody knows very, very well. Um, but I, as I was studying it this time, I just kind of seen it in a different light. And it's called the prodigal son, and we focus on it. Um, and this is in Luke, uh, Luke 15. And we focus on the son in this account. But as I'm studying it, I really feel like it should be more, the, more of a focus on the father, the, like the prodigal father. The word prodigal in Greek is extravagant um, or lavishly giving. And so we know that the son did that in, in a way that wasn't life-giving, but also the father lavishly gave his love on that's, his son. That's so good. I mean, because so many times we think of the prodigal as being the lonely, lost son that was kind of far away and then had to find his way back. I mean, that's not what it means. Yeah. It's wastefully extravagant. Yeah. And so, expound on that. That's so good. If we're looking at this, this account in scripture of the father's viewpoint, you have to have an understanding that when he, he, the, the son started it and he came and he said, Hey dad, I, 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 I want my inheritance. And, and even in our culture today, you don't just, I, I'm not dead yet. You don't get my house yet. Children, you don't, you don't get any money that we have in our bank account yet. Like you, we die, you get it. Like that's how that works. Same thing in that culture. It, but it was a way it was a very big deal. In fact, for the son to even go to his dad and say, dad, will you give me in, in his, your inherit, my inheritance? Basically what he's saying is, I don't care if you're alive. I hope you die. I want my inheritance. I deserve it. And instead of the dad saying, ouch, 
like, son, I raised you better. He was like, okay. And if we look at this perspective from God the Father, how many of us in our lives have, have wanted and asked for things from the Father, and then as soon as we get them, our attention's off of him? And I know we're all guilty of it. There's no shame. There's no condemnation in it. But how many of us have, have prayed for something and waited on something and the Lord did it and we didn't even say, thank you, God. We just said, yes, I got it. Okay, let's go. And that's what I'm seeing is in this account is how the father, his heart was, so, he was so in love with this boy, his son, that he said, okay, I'll give it to you, son. And then we know that the son, he goes and he spends it. Um, and then he comes to a place of, of, being poor and he says you know even my father's employees are better off than I am and so I'm going to go back home and he sets up this speech and I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this part in Luke 15 18 he says I want to go back home I want to go home to my father's house and I'll say to him father I was wrong I've sinned against you and then he says I'll never again be worthy to be called your son please father just treat me like one of your employees and so to himself, he's, he's, he's thinking of this, and I imagine he's probably writing down what he's going to say to his dad. And he's saying, God, Father, if you just take me back, I'll, I'll work as an employee. I'll do everything off. I'll, I'll, I'll do everything. I'll work it off. I'll, I'll, I'll be your employee for the rest of, of, our, of my life. Just let me come back home. And so it says, he, you know, we know the story, right? He comes back home. He, he comes running, and the dad sees him far off, and he greets him, and he starts his speech. Okay, he's got it. He's got it. He's like, okay, dad. Okay. Um, um, so I'll, I'll, I have sinned against heaven and, and against you, and I'm no longer, long, longer worthy to be called your son. And I, and the father stops him. And he said, and he puts the, what, what does he do? We know the story, right? Puts the robe on his shoulders, the ring, gives him shoes. Yep. Sandals on his feet, which is all representation of authority and royalty, right? Which is, is type and shadow of Jesus. But what he's saying is he's don't finish the rest because what the son is saying is, is I'll come serve you, but I won't be worthy of anything. And just like the father says to us, yes, come serve me, but be with me, stand alongside of me. How many of you guys know that we're seated with him, right? We're, this isn't us working really hard, us being slaves and employee to God. And it was the same thing with the prodigal that he's trying to show us when the father interrupts him and says, don't finish that come and be my son. You don't have to be my employee. So do you guys want to speak to the father's heart of that or anything that you guys had with the prodigal son that you want to speak to? Um, I don't really want to sidetrack it or take away from what you're saying because it's real important that we truly, that we truly understand uh, God's love for us because uh, we are, we have done the things that are in this story. Um, the, the neat part about it is the story goes on, mm -hmm. and a lot of us don't read past the prodigal to, to actually listen to the story about his brother and his brother getting mad and how God, even though the brother was getting mad, God was patient enough or the father was patient enough to have a conversation with his brother yeah. and say, okay, why are you mad? Well, you know, he went out and squandered everything. He done so much against you. And you haven't, you know, I've been here this whole time working my tail end off. And you don't even give me a goat for, so that me and my friends can celebrate. And the father turns around and says, everything I have is yours. Yeah. 
So the, the second son did not even recognize what he had. That he was actually, he owned everything. But yet he was, and we could all get in, we could all get in the same shoes as that second brother. We get caught up in ourselves. We don't, and so I think it's real important that you read this, the last part of that and really think about it. And think about it, have you been in that same spot where you were mad at God for not striking somebody down, you know? And, you know, it's funny, uh, I go back to Proverbs, that it says that you're not supposed to celebrate when evil gets punished. We think, we, oh, that's great. This guy, you know, this, they're so bad, now they're getting struck down. The Bible says you're not supposed to celebrate that. Because vengeance is his. So um, so I think the second part of that, like I said, I don't want to run off on a rabbit trail, but I think the second part is just as, is, 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 is not as important, but it's, it's an aspect that he put in there for a reason. He could have stopped. He could have stopped at the prodigal and left it alone, but he, had, he actually told the story of the, the brother and then what role that we've actually walked into that ourselves. Yeah. Oh, you forgot the steaks. Steaks. What about the beef? Yeah. The one beef that they've been fattening up yeah. all this time for everybody else to eat, but yet the prodigal son gets to, to get to eat. So, yeah. What'd you say? Brian works best when he doesn't know what's happening. So, <laughs> I was just going to bring up the, the forgiveness of the father. In that culture, he brought shame on himself and said he ran to the son while he was far away and ran and kissed him. There was forgiveness from the point he took off running to meet his son. All the shame that he brought on himself. I can't remember if it was because he, he wore a tunic and, and you would show yourself as you're running the same as David did when he danced and you could show parts and things would show and you it was shameful but he ran to him he knew what he did he knew that he was coming back and he crossed the distance the same way god crosses the distance to get to us even in our shame he's on the way he loves him and he forgives him before he ever has a chance to say anything you're already reinstated to the family you you left and, and were shameful and they said he did plenty of things but he shamed himself just to get to his son. And, and that love met right in the middle and he embraced him immediately and he was already back. It was already family. And we say it all the time, but what else can we be in need of when we know that everything that's his is ours and everything that he'd be willing to humiliate himself, that he would be willing to... to to go bankrupt he would be willing to sacrifice everything and yet we keep ourselves up at night trying to figure out what we're going to do or um we have an offense with our with our brother um whatever whatever it is like what where where is that perception of who god really is and what this prodigal this extravagant lavish giving that he's given us what are we in need of church Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. I'm sure the, the father took a shower probably every morning, put on his best boots and his old spice 
<laughs> in his robe. And uh, maybe this day I'll get to see him. He looked forward to it every day. It's today, it's today, it's today. Fathers, I want to say something about fathers since I've been around a while. Uh, my kids have honored me greatly. Let's see, a meal with one of them today, one of them yesterday, one of them the day before. I got good kids. But a lot of times people blame their father, their earthly father. He didn't do this, he didn't do that, he didn't give me an education, he gave me no money, he made me work, he done this, he done it. A lot of times we just sober in our beer, if you drink beer, that uh, blame everything on father. But we need to, those that still have fathers, I don't know, I'm sure most of you do, pray for them. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> My father, he didn't know how to be a father. He didn't have a father. He had 17 brothers. So he didn't know how to be a father, be compassionate. There's no example. So uh, pray for your fathers. Thank God for your fathers. They, then there was a father before, so they don't know how. So they're going to make mistakes. Might be a lot of them. And they don't mean to. They don't know how to. They just, they just I don't say dumb. They just uh, don't don't know how. Be a good father. So you need to pray for them. The children, whoever the siblings are left, and and uh, honor them. However you can honor them, honor them. Give honor. The Bible says give honor where honors do, and honors do a lot. That's one thing we withhold a lot of is honor. God's big on honor. In fact, I think I can prove in the Bible that's the reason why God didn't talk to children of Israel for 400 years. They didn't honor him. He can read about it in the what? Last page, of, first page of, I think it's Malachi. Anyway, I'm just telling you, as, as we go forward, now we've talked about fathers, pray for them and encourage them in the Lord somehow or another. Respect them. Uh, don't badmouth them. Uh, I want to speak to that a little bit too, because I was just, um, you know, the, it, we know that the scripture says to honor your mother and father, and um, it says, you know, fathers don't exasperate your children. It, but it doesn't give us an out if our fathers weren't worthy of the honor. You know, we 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 want to say, well, but he didn't, you know, he didn't raise me to know him, or he wasn't a good dad. He doesn't deserve it. That's not what the that's not what scripture says. It says to honor him, and the word honor means to regard with great respect and to fully obtain an obligation or agreement. And so as our, as our earthly fathers, we don't have a choice. It's who we are, right? Like we follow what scripture tells us, regardless if we like it or not. But our, the scripture says to honor him. It doesn't say that we have to necessarily even like them. I'm going to get really real. It doesn't mean you have to like them. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't mean that what they did was okay. It doesn't mean that you have to bring your grandkids around them. It's not all of these things. It's not what it's saying. It's saying honor. So exactly what Don was saying, respect them. Don't bad talk them, honor them with your words, with your actions. I was raised by an abusive father, and but I read this book, and it's about Abraham's blessing, and there was a line in there that says that you got to keep blessing them, no matter if they're blessing you. 
because that's what God wants us to do is bless. And that's he's still are. my dad, no matter what. Yep. And today I don't, there's not a phone in heaven. <laughs> so I can't talk to him. So, but I keep blessing him no matter what. It's because it's who you are. Yep. going to say we're almost done here so if there is there anything else that you guys want to say um, always speak truth to your kids even when it hurts because the truth is the truth and I think that's something we're missing today is we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings so we don't tell them the truth yeah. you're basically lying to your kids or others be truthful, and be truthful in love. There's a way you can do it without coming at them harshly in compassion, but the truth stands out, and I believe God wants us to always be truthful, to be truthful even if it hurts. Yeah. That's good. Anybody else? Hi, I'm Adam. Um, I'm a little behind. Um, I do want to jump back to the topic of being a father to the fatherless. Um, uh, if you guys don't know, I was one of the um, youth leaders for a while, and um, my wife and I actually had a discussion yesterday um, with uh, one of our family friends and their uh, child and just kind of getting to know them for the first time and kind of seeing and learning about their past and kind of things like that. And the big uh, discussion that we had was teenagers nowadays experience more adult topics and have to go through more adult experiences than I, I can't even imagine. I mean, you know, I, growing up, I had a couple of, of tough experiences and kind of had to grow up a little bit, but um, I won't say this individual's name, but they were 17 years old. They were living with their boyfriend slash girlfriend for three years, um, kind of trying to just go through these experiences. I mean, kids nowadays have more access to just more hatred and uh, things of this world that are fallen. Um, and I just had a big... Uh, it took on my heart to pull up First uh, John chapter three. Um, it says, "Behold, of what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, that the world uh, does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now that we children of God, now that we are uh, children of God, and it has not been revealed of what we shall be, but we know what when that when He is revealed." We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And and just seeing that, and even talking with the, the teenagers and, and seeing that is, you be real with them. You show them how, how God has touched you and how you shine your light, or excuse me, shine his light through you. And just seeing that and just being there because it, it, it I don't want to say it breaks my heart. It almost heats up my heart about 
just seeing all the turmoil and the things that teenagers shouldn't be experiencing. The drugs, the, the alcohol, the, the, the relationship experiences that they're going through, they haven't even, essentially by law, by worldly law, they haven't been considered adults yet. And having these adult experiences and just going through things that are hard. But if they can look to someone, if, even if they have a father figure, maybe they might not be the best, um, earthly father, they can see, I mean, I mean, you all know, teenagers see everything. They'll, they'll notice, I mean, my wife and I will go like, ooh, that's how I want to raise my kid. Ooh, I, I learned from that. That's not what I want to do to raise my kid. Just, just as we see that, teenagers see so much more. They see, they can, they can see when you're in a, being an act or when you're trying to struggle or when you're struggling through things and you're just trying to give the advice, but you're still working on it yourself. If, if you be real and be that father figure of like, yes, I've fallen, but this is what we've worked for and we strive for to grow through God and what he's shown us and how is things like this. You can be that loving father figure to someone that is the fatherless, someone that you don't even know that you're not in a relationship like with their family or anything. It, just having that figurehead of the Lord be present in your life, they can see that and grow. That's good. I mean, what are we doing if we we hear all about how, you know, like we, we learn about how good God is and we worship and we celebrate him and we and our life is so good because we know him, but yet we don't tell anybody. Like what we're, what are we doing with the greatest commandment of, of loving God and loving people? Like what are we doing with him? What are we doing with this knowledge that we gain and this revelation that we get that we kept, keep it to ourselves? And so it's absolutely teenagers. I mean, I think... Being a teenager is hard. Man, it's hard. Um, but it, it, there's so many people out there that are desperate for a solution, and it's Jesus is the solution. And it's giving a little bit of our time to be able to see people walk in that freedom. Yeah. Do you have anything else, babe? Yeah, I just I want to speak a blessing over all of us. Not only the fathers, but it's for all of us. And then we'll wrap things up. And in number six, the Lord speaks to Moses. And he says, speak to Aaron, which is Moses' son, and to Aaron's sons, saying thus, you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. So they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel. Guys, that's us. We are the sons of Israel. We've been engrafted in. So this is for us. So I have this blessing that I'm going to speak over all of us. Therefore, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace and from him. And may you reach the purpose for which you were created. May you have courage above your peers. 
May you have more passion for the things of God than others think is necessary. May you dream more than others think is practical. And may you expect more than others think is possible. May you choose wisely without earthly bias. You have people to influence that you have not yet met. You have lives to change that are waiting for your arrival. You are strategically placed wherever God takes you by his grand design, just so you can become all he made you to be. That place is the place you can best grow, the place you can be most fruitful, the place where the future is changed because of your presence. May you see visions that others do not even know exist. May you see God in every petal, every flower, and every blade of grass, for each of them are designed by his hand and for you. May you bless your children, and may they become giants in the faith under the mighty hand of God. You will not fail. You were made by God to be here for such a time as this. I receive that. Receive it. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for speaking this blessing upon us. We receive it as one body for you and with you in all things that come about. For we are yours and you are ours. And we're excited to be your sons. The sons of an almighty loving father. We thank you for this day. As we go in peace and inhabit this world with your presence, Lord. We thank you that we have ears to hear you and eyes to see you. And are excited about doing our lives with you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. That was fun. <laughs> we called Hayden.